Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are in our Deuteronomy series, and today's conversation is called The Trajectory of God. The question for you all to get started with is, what is the burden you are carrying right now? Enjoy. It was Thursday night and it was about 1 a.m. and I could hear my daughter crying in the other room. So I went and got her and it's that moment as a parent where you get out of your bed really quickly and you're kind of disoriented. And I go and grab Bella and I'm trying to like soothe her to sleep. And then all of a sudden I realize that my stomach is gurgling in a very weird way. And as I'm holding her, I'm like, oh, this isn't right. (laughs) And I immediately set her down and book it to the bathroom as fast as I can. And it's happening, people. Like I have choices to make right now, (laughs) which is going to be worse. I did, I did choose that, yeah. Where my tub's close enough where you're sitting and like trying to like, ah, ah, poltergeisting. You're all ready for brunch now, so that's perfect. And then I would like get in the shower and like sit there and like have the shivers, right? And then like I gotta go back to the toilet and then go back to the the shower and have the shivers and I just was like in a coma I have no idea what happened for like 24 hours like fever all of the fluids just feeling completely exhausted and worn out and the truth for me was that what literally happened on Thursday night through Friday is kind of how I felt over the last couple weeks is that I feel like there's a lot of things going on in my life that I can't control I feel worn out I feel tired, I feel fatigued, I feel like I'm getting thrown up on. And then last night, um, I'm like falling asleep, 1 a.m., I hear my daughter cry again, and I go in there, and now she is poltergeisting on everything. So I'm yelling for my wife, and I'm like, this is a two-man job, let's go! (laughs) Right, take Bella to the shower, she's cleaning her off, I get my hazmat suit on, like we're cleaning out the bed and all of the crib and everything. And you can just like, the whole room just smells so vile, right? And then like an hour later, we get that cleaned up. My middle son starts poltergeisting. If you go into our house this morning, it looks like crime scene investigation took place. There are towels everywhere and buckets around corners and on beds and jammies and like the washing machine's been going all night. And I'm just like, I'm exhausted. I'm just tired and I'm worn out. And I remember a truth that I told myself when I started New Abbey was that I'm never going to be the dancing monkey preacher again. That if I've had a bad week, I'm not going to get up there. I'm not going to put on the fake smile and I'm not going to do, you know, all the things and say all the funny jokes because I just don't have them in me. I'm tired. I feel beat up. I feel worn out as a pastor and as a human being this week, and my body reminded me of that. And we all carry burdens. And I'm a man, so if I get like just man sick with a cold, (laughs) right? I need like people to pamper me. Who here gets man sick? I love other spouses are pointing, yes, yes. Like 
my wife could have the flu Ebola and be giving a baby and she would still make dinner, right? Yes. I sneeze and I'm like, I gotta take a week off of work. This is too much. I don't want my life to be inconvenienced by sickness. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. And I certainly don't want to dealt with what I've dealt with emotionally and mentally and spiritually over the last few weeks. Because honestly, for the first time in pastoring this community for six years, I laid on my bed this week and I told my wife, I don't even know if I want to do this anymore. I'm just tired. I'm tired of caring. I'm tired of trying my best. I'm tired of trying to provide a place where people can find their voice. I'm tired of holding all the complexity. And part of the reason I'm tired of doing all that because I can barely hold the complexity within me. So how in the world am I going to hold this other complexity? And I don't say that if like, oh, poor me, woe is me in my life. What I'm saying is we all get to those moments. We all get to those moments where it just feels like it's too much to carry. It's too much to hold. I just don't know if I can do this anymore. And for me, I carried a sickness for like 36 hours. And I've been carrying some other burdens for a few months. And for those of you in this room, you have been carrying burdens for not only days, not only months, but years, and for some of you, a lifetime. And you have had those dark nights of the soul as well, where you have shouted out and you have said, I just have nothing left. And the hope that I somehow have, I found again in preparing for my sermon in Deuteronomy. that what I believe and continue to hold on to is the hope of what I believe about the trajectory of God. That the spirit of God, that the people of God, the tradition of faith that we hold on to, that these scriptures are eternally true in the sense that they remain true in each generation in a different way. How the book of Deuteronomy provided hope for a people who were burdened and oppressed and who couldn't take it anymore 3,000 years ago can still provide me with hope and life in figuring it out now. Because to be human in any generation is just simply the hardest job that any of us are ever gonna have. And that we need wisdom and that we need support and that we need care that goes beyond ourselves and we need hope. We need hope that there's a God out there that the trajectory of this God is redemption. Redemption I would define simply as this is the action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. It's saying that I have a debt or I have a burden, I have something that I'm carrying and I need to regain who I am. That this thing has taken too much from me. This thing is too heavy for me. This thing is not something that I can bear on my own anymore. And redemption is something more powerful, bigger than you who can come in and say, I'm gonna help carry the weight as well. And so this morning, we're going to talk about a few things. We're going to talk about trajectory. And then we're going to name it. And then we're going to get into some solutions. And then we're going to try to remember gratitude with one another. So would you follow along with me in everyone's favorite book in Los Angeles in 2019? Deuteronomy 15. Come on. 
At the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. And everybody said, amen. <laughs> It's already getting good. Who doesn't want this to be their life verse, right? Spin, 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 seven years, baby. No more 29.99% APR. Let's do this. This is how it is to be done. Every creditor shall cancel any loan they have made to a fellow Israelite. They shall not require payment from anyone, anyone among their own people because the Lord's time for canceling debts has been proclaimed. You may require payment from a foreigner, but you must cancel any debt your fellow Israelite owes you. However, there needs to be no poor people among you from the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance. She will richly bless you. If only you will fully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all these commands I'm giving you today. The setup is this, that in every society, at every time and place in history, there are burdens that we carry as human beings. None of us are living as indentured servants anymore. We do not have a certain amount of financial debt that we carry on, and we have to go work that off for a slave owner. Every single one of us in this room are carrying debts. Some of them are financial debts. Some of them are emotional debts. Some of them are mental debts. Some of them are spiritual debts. Some of them are relational debts. And they feel overwhelming at times. It feels like I cannot carry the burden of what this debt has for me. And what this passage is saying to us is God agrees with you. Human beings were not designed to carry that kind of debt in perpetuity. There needs to be a plan in place that when you carry that kind of debt and burden for so long, that somebody else will come in and help you carry that debt, will help you carry the burden that you cannot carry on your own. This is the story of God. This is what we call liberation. This is what we call salvation, right? This is what we call redemption, that this is the work that God is up to that God can already name for us as human beings, there will just be some things in life that are too difficult for you to handle. I get it. And so God prepares in God's scriptures this reality of naming that, first of naming a trajectory that God is aware of the things that we carry. And then two, coming to a place of saying, now can you name the debts and the burdens and the heavy loads that you're carrying? Some of us have to name those things at a systemic level. If we're naming those things at a systemic level, what we're saying is there are debts and burdens and loads that we are carrying that have been given to us that are not necessarily our choosing. If we were to think about this at a systemic level, it would kind of be like uh, this stool and that there's four legs that are holding up this stool, four things that really form your identity. And sometimes other people have told you is a debt or burden about who you are as a human being. One of those legs might be your gender. Some of you may have grown up in a world where you were told that because you are a woman, you are somehow less than. Because you are a woman in a church, you will never have authority. Because you are a woman in a church, you will no longer be able to do anything but care for the children. You can't be on the eldership team. You must submit to a man. Anyone heard anything like this? And it's 2019 and we're still hearing that. For some of us, it's our race. 
there's something about your race that is the wrong color or the wrong whatever in that particular culture that makes you somehow less than other human beings. And it's a burden that you have been forced to carry even though you did nothing to choose it. For some of you, there's a stool, right? There's a leg on this stool that is your sexuality that says that you are attracted and that you love certain kinds of people and that other people don't agree with that is a choice that you never made and that you now have to suffer with this because these people believe something different about, the, about what your sexuality is. For some of you, one of the legs on this stool is economics, that you were just born into a certain economic situation and there's burdens and debts that you are now supposed to carry because of how you were born into the world. I think what Deuteronomy is always willing to be honest with us is, is yet, yes, there are debts and there are things that are out of your control. It never names how people get there. We all get to a place of burden and debts and the things that we accumulate in life. And sometimes there are things that other people have chosen for us. And sometimes there are things that we have chosen for ourselves. And a lot of times it's a combination of both of those choices that affects the type of weight that we carry around on planet Earth. What Deuteronomy is not asking you to do is to parse out who's wrong and who's right in it. It's simply trying to tell you, of course you carry a debt that's too heavy for you. That's a part of what it means to be human sometimes. And there needs to be a game plan so that you don't have to carry that debt forever. What a good and gracious God. What a good and gracious God who sees that this is too heavy for us and that we're going to need some help sometimes. There's also the reality that we have individual choices and in things that we make, and those debts become too heavy. And because of the choices that we've made or the things that we've participated in, we don't have a way out. And guess what? That's also a part of what it means to be human. How many of us look back to our high school selves and like, you're a dum-dum. <laughs> and there's choices that you've made somewhere back there that are debts that you still have to carry. And you're no longer that person anymore. Thank God. But should you have to carry the weight of that in perpetuity for the rest of your life? I don't think so. You might be reminded of that thing. That thing should be a lesson for you, a teacher for you, a prophet for you, a priest for you, a gift for you to remind you of another kind of life that you should live. But it shouldn't be, have to be the thing that you carry around forever. That's who this God is. This God says, of course you need a break. I agree with you on that. I want to name the debts that you have, whether they come at a systemic level or an individual level or a combination of both, that there needs to be a plan in place in which a solution can be provided so that you don't have to deal with these things anymore. The scriptures are very interesting how they talk about this. The plan always starts with the powerful. The powerful, the creditor, it is first and foremost with any situation that you're in, if you found yourself being powerful or the creditor or the one who has more in that relationship, it's your responsibility now to go make right on the debts. Isn't that interesting? You're the one with all of the leverage. And so you're the one now who's supposed to go help make this thing right. And unfortunately, we live in a world with systemic structures where sometimes the most powerful don't make way for those who are carrying around the heavy burdens and debts. But the scriptures are trying to name that and saying there needs to be a better way. That it always begins with the powerful. It always begins with those who have more. And that it is your responsibility to go make way. So much so that Jesus is incredibly passionate about this reality. Because Jesus knows this about the rich people, religious people, and anyone who ever finds power, you will work your darndest 
to weasel your way out of carrying the burden and the, debt of, the weight of that other person's debt. And you'll do a lot of things to make sure that that burden is paid back to you. That's just what human beings do. When you accumulate power, it is very hard to let that go. It is very difficult to give away what you have accumulated. That's true in family systems. That's true in religious systems. That's true in political systems. Name your system the medical system. We do not want to give away power once it's accumulated. And so the scriptures work really hard that we don't weasel our way out of it. And you'll notice in all of these passages that it will say things like the Israelites. You have to forgive the debts of the Israelites. And when Jesus' time came around, he would say things like this. The greatest command is this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And the teachers of the law would come to him and say, well, who is my neighbor? And they would say that based on these passages. Because if somebody wasn't their neighbor, wasn't their true brother or sister, wasn't an Israelite, then you didn't have to forgive them and they still felt righteous by the law. And isn't that what we do as human beings? We dehumanize. We want to create boundaries that says, well, I know I'm going for this grace thing, but that person is really not my brother or sister. That person is truly not an Israelite for me. Oh, can they even call themselves gay and Christian? How many ways do we subdivide the world? And thank God that your last part of your narrative, the last time that you became free, wasn't your story in high school. That you're still evolving and growing and maturing and becoming woke now. Thank God that the Bible's doing that as well that the last pages in the Bible is not Deuteronomy. That the Bible's growing up and saying, I know what you're doing there. You're trying to redefine who neighbor is. And Jesus will come along and say, I'll show you who neighbor is. Let me tell you the story of the Good Samaritan. And this is a story where I want you to identify the people that you hate most in the world that you don't want to be around. They can't touch you. They can't see you. They can't come near you. That's who your neighbor is. The person at the very end of the line for you, that's the person that you need to begin to humanize. Because when you can begin to humanize them, then you will begin to see that they too are carrying a debt and that you have a responsibility as another human being to help carry some of their debt as well. As the great prophet we quote in here says all of the time, Brene Brown, your healing is intrinsically tied to my healing and my healing is intrinsically tied to yours and our healing is intrinsically tied to the healing of the world. If we leave anybody out of the conversation of who is our neighbor, then we all suffer for it. If we think that's just their debt to carry and their burden to hold, then we will all suffer for it. If we become so woke and so free that only the people who look like us now get the jobs and get to be in and get to be woke, but all the people who hurt us, that we become this very same pharaohs to them that they were to us, then we will never be free. Then it is a hard job moving forward to find a solution to the very real pains and the very real burdens that we carry in this world. And what Deuteronomy is leading us towards is the reality of, yes, name it. Name the fact that you carry debt. And name the fact that you're going to need help to get out of that debt as well. I just did all of that. I haven't even finished reading the passage. So here we go. <laughs> For the Lord your God will bless you as she has promised you and will lend you to many nations, but will borrow from none. You will rule over many nations, but none will rule over you. 
If anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land the Lord your God has given you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Your healing is tied to their healing. If you try to get out of this thing somewhere, you're all going to miss out, right? Rather, be open-handed and freely lend to them whatever they need. Be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. The seventh year, the year for canceling debts is near, so that you do not show ill will toward the needy among your fellow Israelites and give them nothing. They may then appeal to the Lord against you and you will be found guilty of a sin, which another way of saying is you'll be found guilty of hurting people in the same way that you are hurt. Don't go participate in that. Go participating in the healing of the world. Give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you and all your work and everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land which is another way of saying this. It's true. Economically, there will always be poor people in the land. But what we're saying is there will always be people who carry debts in the land. There are people in this room, every single one of us, who carry different kinds of debts and burdens that we cannot deal with. This is a story about radical redemption and radical reconciliation in which nobody gets left out. This is not a dog-eat-dog world where only some people get grace and the other people have to suffer. As we say in here all of the time, if you take a million from infinity, what do you have left? Infinity. That's how grace works. God is not handing out scarcity here. God is not terrified that if you get some, they'll get nothing. God is saying, I have plenty for all of you. Would you participate with me in a new solution of handing this grace out in a different way? Therefore, I command you to be open-hearted towards your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. And if any of your people, Hebrew men or women, sell themselves to you and serve you six years, and the seventh year you must let them go free. And when you release them, do not send them away empty-handed. Supply them liberally from your flock, your threshing floor, and your wine press. If any of you have wine presses, please let me know. <laughs> Asking for a friend. Give to them as the Lord your God has blessed you. Remember that you are slaves. Actually, I'm going to save that last part. Pause. One of the things that this passage is doing is not only saying name it, but it's also saying provide a solution. What scriptures are saying is this, is God knows that there's debt that we cannot handle and God provides a solution to it for the people of God. It's saying, you can't handle this stuff forever. There needs to be a time where you're going to actively participate in this difficult work and solution of reconciliation and redemption in this world. And... We're hoping that those who are powerful and that their lives who've been healed and transformed and matured by God will use their power in such a way that they'll take their credit and they'll distribute it out among grace for those who are carrying too much debt. And just in case that doesn't happen, how will you now participate in your own solution for your own healing and the debts that you're carrying? Because no one else can participate in this solution for you. And so what we say in here all the time is this. It's okay to have the negative emotions. It's okay to be dealing with these difficult things. It's okay to be carrying this load. And at some point, we have to be able to name this stuff if we ever want healing from this stuff. Because if we can't name it for ourselves, how will we ever be able to name it for others around us? And sometimes we're going to need to name it to a therapist. And sometimes we're going to need to name it to a spiritual director. Sometimes we're going to need to name it to other close friends in our life. Sometimes we're going to name it to partners Whoever it is, the point is you should not be dealing with this debt on your own. You do not need to carry the burdens of life on your own. And you need to name it so that you can have a solution so that you don't have to carry this stuff in perpetuity. Now, I'm not just saying to you, 
Oh, just name it and come up with a solution and we'll all be okay. No, it will not. The story for the Israelites is pretty simple. They were freed from a Pharaoh in Egypt. And remember the next part of the story. They figured that shit out in the wilderness for 40 years. They needed to be redeemed from something that was bigger than themselves. They participated with God in the redemption of the world. But the hard work of maturity, once you've named the things that you need to be healed from and walking in transformation, will take you a lifetime to figure out. And sometimes the very moment that you step into a new promised land and you think, I've got something figured out, you'll enter into a new promised land like a Brian Tarot and said, this was once my be-free story. But now that I'm in this new journey of life and I have new perspective and a new view on life, I realize there's new things for me to be free from. There's a larger story for God to put me into. I thought over here that these were the biggest burdens and debts that I could ever carry. And then I walked in this thing for five years. I did all the things I was supposed to do. I participated in the solution in as many ways that I could. I allowed God's spirit to do what God's spirit was gonna do. I let other people into my life. And then I realized there's a new wilderness for me to walk through. And I don't have to do it alone. Thank God. Is it gonna be easy? No but it's gonna be worth it and it's gonna be good. And if we don't do that, then let me offer this warning to our rather liberal and progressive community. We can name it endlessly. We can deconstruct endlessly, only to the point where we, where we will become more critical and more cynical. And there will be people who will show up in your life who wanna be allies and supporters and care for you and you will shoot the allies down. There will be people in your life who are part of the same process of trying to become woke, trying to figure it out, trying to carry around the burdens of what it means to be a human being. And if you kill off everybody in your wake, there will be nobody left. That it's difficult work to invite other people into our life. And if you just want to endlessly critique it, let me know how that works out for you at the end of the day. But we have to in some way be a part of the solutions we have to some way say, there's going to be an imperfect process in this thing of graciousness towards one another. There's going to be an imperfect process, right, in the redemption of the world. I didn't get here without any scars. How can I assume that anyone else around me will get here without scars either? And if we can just own that and name that, what would it mean to start being gracious to one another in that journey? And I'm thankful for the Brian Taradas of the world. Because everything about Brian Tarada's story of being at a place like Azusa Pacific University and coming out should tell you, I have a lot of things to be angry at. I have a lot of systems to be mad at. I shouldn't be at a place where I'm 27 and I'm just learning what it's like to date. There's some people who robbed me of some things because they told me some horrible theology. There's some people who robbed me of some things because they were telling me a version of God and a version of the Bible that was too punitive for me and it was small and it didn't work and that's affected my real life. And he should be mad and he should be angry and he should be sad. And yet for five years, Brian Toronto created spaces around the nation where people get to get together and they get to name their burdens too. He's a part of the solution. Not a bunch of people who figured it all out, but a bunch of people are saying, me too. I'm trying my best as well. I wanna be more woke. I wanna be more healed. I wanna be more transformed. I wanna be more matured. 
And I believe that about every single person in this room. I understand that it's a Sunday and you could be having mimosas. <laughs> it sounds good right now. And you're sitting at a church service because you want to be a part of the healing. You want to be a part of a solution where you are known and people know you and cynicism and critique do not rule the end of the day. We're going to call some shit out in this room. But we're also just not going to work from all the things that we're trying to lead from. We're going to put a lot of work into the things that we want to be for and about. And it's going to take the effort of all of us through this imperfect process of graciousness, of naming these things and participating in that solution to make the world a better place. And finally, this last sentence, which I find so beautiful. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God redeemed you. And that is why I give you this command today. It's saying this, can you remember where you came from? At times, you're going to be able to have gratitude for where you came from. You're going to be able to say, I thought that was the end of the road. I thought I was never going to get out of that moment, and I did, and look at me now. There's going to be other moments in your life where you're going to look back and say, I'm so thankful for what I came from, but I'm still mad because it truly wasn't fair. It was truly difficult. And why you surround yourself with other people in your life is that for the moments in your week when you can't believe, when you can't remember the redemption that God did for you in Egypt, that you need other people around you to say, do you remember back then? That this week when I was depressed, what I needed more than anything when I was in the shower or driving somewhere, because that's when I have all my negative thoughts. Anybody else? You're just like by yourself, you're washing your hair and you're like, these, right? <laughs> That's me. And I needed a text from my wife that just simply says, you know that I always love you. I'm always there for you. That I needed a text from Brittany that says we're better together than we are apart. That I needed really great friends in my life who could remind me, you're doing a good job, man. I know it's hard, but you're doing a good job. No one's trying to bullshit me and tell me I'm doing a perfect job. No one's trying to lie to me and say that I have it all figured out. But there's people who are willing to honor my narrative and say, I know you're trying. And how badly do all of us need that in this room? To say, I see you putting your best foot forward every day, and I know it's not perfect, but I got your back. Because we're participating in a solution that declares reconciliation, that declares redemption, that declares there could be resurrection and new life in this world. And even if you can't remember on your own, we damn well will remember together. That's the story that we're trying to share in this place. I'm thankful for each and every one of you who are participating in that solution. We're doing the difficult work of naming your burdens and that together we're going to find freedom. Together we're going to find healing. Together we're going to walk out of Egypt and through wildernesses and into new promised lands. Would you find the same three or four people around you? Would you answer this question? What's one step that you can take this week to try to care for that burden? Enjoy.
Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.